0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Sibling Chivalry. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sarah, and I have the privilege of having a sibling with special needs. Uh, The story behind uh, the title of my podcast, Sibling Chivalry, um, really when you think about chivalry, you think about people coming to the rescue and knights in shining armor, and that is kind of how I view the families of individuals with special needs. Um, we come to their rescue. We, we advocate for them when no one else will. And so I thought that this title would be very fitting. Um, thank you for joining me for my very first episode. I'm very excited about this. Uh, this podcast is meant to explore life with siblings with special needs. It also deals with losing siblings with special needs for those who have lost one. And every week, hopefully the plan is to be able to talk to a different person who has a sibling with special needs, whether that sibling is still alive or has passed away and kind of dive into all of the emotions that come with living with and losing a sibling with special needs. This week, though, it's going to be about getting to know me and my brother, Aaron. He was one of a kind. And I'm sure every single sibling of someone with special needs thinks the same way about their sibling. They truly are one of a kind. No one can ever take their place. And mine mine was very much like that. He was 30 years old when he passed away. He passed away just about a year and a half ago on January 27th of 2020. Uh, It was hard for me. I had never dealt with a loss like that. And I couldn't really properly express how I felt about it for a while. And uh, I actually made the attempt to write things down about two weeks after his death. And I had posted it to social media and really tried to put my feelings out there. And after I did that, I went through a period of time where I was very angry and I was angry at God for taking my brother. I was I was just angry at everything and didn't really know how to process that anger properly. And so it took me a while to no longer be angry and Once I stopped being angry, then that's when all of the sadness and depression just came pouring in on top of me, and I had to work my way through that. It didn't feel like I was ever going to be able to. It felt like I was trying and trying to swim to the surface, and I felt like I couldn't get there, and I can honestly say if it hadn't been for the support of friends and family, I don't know if I would have. And, you know, I still have days when I'm extremely sad. I will see a special needs kid out in public somewhere and they happen to walk the same way that my brother walked or they have the same color hair as my brother or their body build is the same as my brother. And it just kind of hits me. Uh, it's random moments in time that just kind of hit me in a certain way. Um, the most recent one was we went to the zoo, and all of a sudden my partner pointed out that there was a little kid carrying a, a Woody from Toy Story, and I look over and it's this special needs boy who had brown hair and he's carrying this Woody and. Woody was one of my brother's favorites. He had a, a doll that was Woody with the pull string and everything. And it just hit me. You know, I had to kind of take a moment and just work through it, you know. And those, they get less and less as time passes. You know, it's it's been a year and a half now, just about. And, you know, it, it is easier than it was a year ago, six months ago. But sometimes there are days where it just hits me and knocks me flat on my face. Um, but I wanted to share with you what I wrote the, the two weeks after my brother passed. I had shared it on social media. And so anyone that's friends with me on social media, they've read it. But if you just kind of stumbled across me and decided to give me a listen, uh, this is your first time hearing this or... Um, you know, I, I hope that it will help. Um, sometimes listening to someone express what they went through and, and the emotions that they went through can really help you process what you're going through. And so I, I really do hope that this helps. Um, I know it helped me putting it actually on paper, writing it down. And so I hope that it helps you. Um, I gave it a title. And I titled it A Window into Losing a Loved One. And like I said, I wrote this 15 days after he passed. So if you hear any kind of of time references, that's why it was written two weeks after he passed. Death is inevitable, it happens to everyone. Whether it is a sudden accident or of natural causes, everyone will leave this world. I have experienced death multiple times in my life, I have lost family members gone to funerals, and have witnessed what loss has done to people. Up until recently, I had never been there in the final moments. When both my grandma and my aunt passed away, I was five hours away and would not have been able to make it in time to say a final goodbye. 15 days ago, I lost my brother. However, this time I was not five hours away. I stayed by his side. I was there. Having never watched anyone die, I had no idea what to expect. All I knew was that it was my duty as his big sister to be there whenever the time came for him to pass on to heaven. Aaron had health issues all of his life, so I was no stranger to seeing him sick. Every time he was sick, he would always pull through. Double pneumonia came close to taking him several times, but it was not his time yet. There were two hospital stays in particular where it became a have your phone on you at all times kind of moment, but again, he pulled through. And it wasn't his time. We had dealt with different monsters that tried to sap away the life from our boy. One in particular was a horrible diarrhea caused by cryptosporidium that was almost completely water. His guts sounded horrible with this loud gurgling sound that made you cringe every time you heard it. We battled it for quite some time. and Then it went away. Aaron started to put on weight and we thought we were past it. We had hope. Then late last year, the monster came back. It sapped away all the weight he had gained. I remember the very first time I, that he was hospitalized for it. I walked into the house and saw him laying there with his eyes sunken in, so lethargic, and my heart just broke. His eyes, which were so bright and beautiful, looked sad and defeated. He was admitted to the University of Kansas Hospital, and they eventually got him stable, and he came home. But they hadn't solved the problem. They merely treated the symptoms, and we knew eventually he would end up back in the hospital. Sure enough, November saw us back at the hospital. The doctors didn't really know what was wrong. It was a huge guessing game and no real answers in sight. We spent Thanksgiving in the hospital. We tried to make the best of it, but let's face it, how can a family really be celebrating a holiday where you're supposed to be thankful in a hospital knowing that your boy isn't getting any better? He came home but he was admitted again several days later. December 10th, Aaron's 30th birthday, back at the hospital. We had balloons, cupcakes, visitors, but we still just wanted to have our boy home. Our wish and prayer became, let us have our boy home for Christmas. Give us Christmas and New Year's, and we'll deal with whatever comes afterwards. A few days before Christmas, Aaron came home. We held our breath, please make it through Christmas, and he did. We had Christmas at home with our boy. He got the usual presents, he was so easy to buy for, Disney movies and books. As we sat there opening gifts, he looked at books while mom opened the rest of his gifts. We were so grateful to have him home. New Year's came and went, he was still home. We were blessed to have this time with him. Letting him watch videos, giving him little bits of food he loved during feeds as we always had, but he wasn't the same. His good days were starting to be outweighed by bad days, and smiles became scarce. During his last hospital stay, my parents had taken the steps to move Aaron's guardianship over to Kansas, and they put Aaron on palliative care. They had helpers every so often. We were told that people get better and come off of palliative care, but for some reason, something inside of me told me he would not come off of it. Aaron was in constant pain. He became very rigid whenever you would try to move him. He became blocked, where before we couldn't get the diarrhea to stop, now we couldn't get anything to come out. Laxatives, suppositories, we tried anything we could think of. The palliative doctor wouldn't increase his pain meds, so we made the decision to move him to hospice so his pain could be managed properly. That was on January 23rd. It still amazes me how quickly Aaron changed. His breathing changed drastically. It was quick and labored. I decided to spend the night that night. We had a hospice nurse come out at 1 a.m. Friday morning. They gave us some instructions and up some meds. I had to work all weekend, so I was constantly worrying that I would get a call. It was very tiresome. Worry has a way of sapping the energy out of you. Friday, the hospice paperwork was finalized. It was his first full day on hospice. He hadn't gotten any better. Saturday wasn't any better either. I decided to sleep at home that night. Sunday, he was much worse. Thankfully, at work, my boss had asked if we wanted to do short shifts to save on payroll, so I got off work at 4 p.m. and instantly went over to my parents' house. I had to be there. Everything in my being told me to not leave that house. He had been put on oxygen on Saturday. It had five levels of output. They had him on level two. His blood oxygen had dropped into the low 80s. By Sunday, it was turned up to four. His breathing was quick and shallow. His blood oxygen was in the 70s now, and the oxygen wasn't helping. We were using his tube feeding machine to have him on a constant water drip to keep him hydrated. We decided that Aaron shouldn't be alone overnight, so he took two-hour shifts that night. My shift was from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. During my shift, I just stared at my brother. I talked to him. I sang to him. I had little conversations about some of my favorite times with him. I knew in my heart I didn't have much time left with my brother. I felt so helpless. There was nothing I could do for him except be there for him. I told him that he had fought a good hard fight, that he had been so brave. I told him that if he needed to go, we would be okay. I told him I would take care of mom and dad for him. His heart rate was now in the 160s. And the last blood pressure we took on him was 86 over 70. His main hospice nurse, Lee, came to look in on him. All of his hospice nurses had been so amazing, so caring, and so empathetic to our situation. Aaron had been laying on his left side for about a day and a half. So Lee gave him a bath in bed and changed his clothing. She said that she wanted to put him onto his right side because sometimes that could help with the pain. She did tell us that sometimes it could also speed up the process. That was at about 11 a.m. We placed all of his favorite stuffed animals around him. Lee stayed for about 20 minutes and just visited with us. Then she had to go to her next patient. I went into the living room to sit with my partner. Mom stayed with Aaron, and Dad was doing something in another room. Ten minutes passed. Then I heard Mom call for Dad. Dad went into Aaron's room and then called for me. My heart dropped into my stomach. I knew what was happening before I got to his room. Now, I've seen tons of movies where people die. People going peacefully in their beds, surrounded by family. But none of that could prepare me for what would happen in the next few minutes. As I came into his room, Dad was standing on one side and Mom on the other. Aaron was in bed, very pale. His little body would arch up, eyes wide open, and his little mouth would open as if he were gasping for a breath but his little chest wasn't moving. This happened about six or seven times, and then it stopped for a moment. Then another single one. Then it stopped for a moment again. Then one more single movement, and he was gone. During the two minutes that this happened, we held his hands and told him that we loved him. We told him he didn't have to be brave anymore and that it would be hard, but we would be okay. It was 11.35 a.m. It was January 27th and our boy was gone. I did not truly begin to weep until I heard the sounds that came from my parents. My dad very rarely cries, but in the moment that Aaron passed away, my dad mournfully exclaimed, oh, my boy, and my mom saying, oh, Aaron, those sounds still haunt me. An image of my mom pushing all of Aaron's toys off the bed and crawling into bed to hold her son, weeping and kissing him until he turned cold dad taking his turn, laying next to his boy, putting his forehead against Aaron's, his arm across his chest, holding him close. I also took my turn to lay next to my brother. He was so cold and pale, his little hands folded and resting gently on his lap. He tried to close his eyes, but I guess that's another thing that only happens in movies because they stayed open. He looked like an angel, so peaceful and finally at rest. Dad called Lee and she came back over. She did a final check and called his time of death. We called the funeral home and waited for them to show up. We continued to hold our boy. We called our pastor and also notified Mauricio, dad's friend and one of Aaron's favorite people. We had the funeral home wait until they had arrived so that they could say their goodbyes. As I stood in that house full of people, I looked at my mom. She sat in a chair next to Aaron's bedside she was staring straight in front of her. Her whole world had just come to a screeching stop. I realized right then and there, in that moment, that for now, I needed to switch into survival mode. I would have, I would have a time degree for Erin, but it wasn't now. My mom and dad needed me to be strong for them. The funeral director started to ask questions. I stepped in and answered them and asked questions that needed to be asked. The time came for them to put Aaron on the stretcher and take him to the funeral home. They tucked Aaron's little count plush, in next to his face, and they took our boy away. I knew my place was there with my parents. I stayed the night Monday night, and we began to plan our boy's homegoing celebration. I didn't realize just how much my parents needed me until Tuesday. I had planned on sleeping at home that night, and when I told my dad, the look on his face almost made me cry. He said, I would really hoped you'd stay tonight. I texted my partner and told him that I would be staying with my parents. I stayed at my parents' house through Thursday morning, and that was only because my mom's sister and niece were coming up and they needed the bed. I never let my parents be alone. It was my job to be there with them. We got to view the body the day before the funeral. I was so worried that he wouldn't look like Aaron. So many times they part their hair wrong or there's too much makeup. When they opened the door to the room he was in, I saw from a distance his face peeking out of the casket. I choked up. I felt like all the tears would just pour out of me. But when we got up to the casket, and this wave of amazement came over me, over all of us, he looked so good. He looked like Aaron. It was as if he was just taking a nap. I took a few photos at mom's request. The last one I took that day was of mom leaned over the casket, giving her boy a kiss. The funeral was Friday, January 31st. It was Disney-inspired. We got a bunch of balloons and tied them to his wheelchair with a sign that said, Gone Up to Heaven. We draped his casket with a Winnie the Pooh blanket and laid a Pooh bear on his casket. He was dressed in Winnie the Pooh pajamas and had all of his friends from the hundred-acre wood around him in the coffin. His Count Von Count was in his hands. We made slideshows that showcased the best of Aaron. We laughed and cried. Mauricio read his obituary, and at the end he covered his face with his hands. We thought he was crying, and then all of a sudden his hands opened, and he looked up and shouted, Peekaboo! That always made Aaron smile. The days that have followed have been a blur. I returned to work the Monday after the funeral. I tried to let it distract me, but it didn't really. A few days ago, I finally broke down. My imagination became cruel, flashing pictures in my mind of Aaron's body being placed in a crematorium. I began to weep uncontrollably. I started to pray that God would take those images away, and he did. We constantly see things that remind us of Aaron, and the pain becomes all too real again. (laughs) Death became real to me in a way that it never has before. I watched the life slip away from my brother. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. However, I don't regret one minute of it. I was there. I held his hand and I gave him kisses. He was never alone. He was at home surrounded by those who loved him most. Now I have to figure out who I am without my brother. The pain of losing him will never go away. But I have memories captured in videos and photos to get me through. His beautiful chocolate brown eyes. His long eyelashes. The smile that could melt away any trace of gloominess. I will see him again cannot wait for that reunion he will be whole and perfect and he can tell me all about his time in heaven while he's been waiting for us he will get to see our aunt judy and our grandma and grandpa he will get to tell them about everything that's happened to him on earth since they've been gone god saw fit to give me one brother a brother different from most brothers a brother that would teach me so many life lessons without even uttering a word I will spend the rest of my life trying to honor Aaron in his memory. A life that Aaron would be proud of. A life of unconditional love and compassion. That is how I will honor you, Bubba. I will see you again. Until then, I will hold on to your memory. And when I close my eyes, I will see your beautiful smile and treasure our memories together. Sissy loves you. See you when. See you when was something that... Our grandpa used to say all the time, he was a truck driver and whenever he would leave, he would say, see you when? So it's kind of become a thing that um, when somebody passes in our family, one of us will eventually say, see you when? I really hope that this helps people Um, that is the whole purpose of this podcast to help people. Um, there are people who have just lost siblings with special needs. And I guess it doesn't even have to be a sibling that has special needs. It's difficult to lose a sibling at all, to lose a family member that you are that close to. And it is a pain that I would never wish on anyone. But if the words that I say in this podcast can help somebody work through what they are going through right now, then this podcast has served its purpose. My brother was an amazing person. He never uttered an actual word, but the silence that came from him and the emotion that he was able to convey in that silence spoke volumes. He never hurt anyone. He never spoke a malicious word. He never, well, I can't say he never backtalked because there were times when he, he would definitely let us know he didn't like what was going on. Um, but it's amazing, these, these individuals with special needs, they have such a way of finding their way into our hearts and burrowing down deep. And the bond is extraordinary. There's nothing like it. You have this person who is so dependent on you to help them with everything that they need every single day. And a bond like that is it's one in a million. There's nothing like it. And I count myself truly blessed. And I feel honored that I was able to be Aaron's sister for 30 years. We didn't always get along when I was younger. I didn't understand why he got so much attention. But as I got older, I started to understand why. And then I started partaking in his care also. And... With a, a sibling of someone with special needs, you're not just their sibling, you also become like a second parent to them because you're you're helping take care of them every day. You're if they're still in diapers, you are changing diapers, you're feeding them, you're making sure that they're happy, that they're healthy. And like I said, there's nothing like it. And so um, I hope that anyone that's out there will continue to listen. And as long as there's somebody out there to listen, I will keep putting out episodes. And so I thank you for tuning in to hear my very first episode um, to give you a a little peek into my life with my brother in his last days. And I'll talk more about you know, everyday things that went on with him, you know, little, little stories and tidbits and funny things about living with Aaron and, and, you know, listening to other people talk about funny stories about their siblings and and what they went through. And, and hopefully we, we will start a journey of healing together. We are a special tribe of siblings with special needs. And we are there for our siblings. and They were there for us even when we might not have known it. But that's all I have for you this week. So please tune in again next time. Again, this has been Sarah with Sibling Chivalry. And have a great day. Thanks for listening. And hold your loved ones tight.